Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galante along with Thomas Frank Carr. T. Frank, we have got a busy day today, don't we? Yeah, it's it's another busy day for me on top of the busy day Saturday and the busy day Monday and Tuesday. It's it's commitment season, so it's the perfect time uh, to dig into all of this stuff. It, it is. It's a fun season. And not only is it commit season, it's spring football season. Notice that was the segue there, T. Frank. We've got the blue-white game coming up, and we got a great event for you to join us at and it's a blue white tailgate event in conjunction with the we are nil collective we're going to have a bunch of player parents there and it goes to benefit the penn state student athletes i get a lot of questions about you know with the nil is it just about the big money guys no it is not this is a way for you to participate but more importantly get some great food some great drinks some great football talk and if things go well, we'll even have my buddy here, T. Frank Carr, for you to talk to and chat some football. So instead of a, having to a send rare your public in, appearance for me, I am a football hermit. So this will be a rare appearance for me. I, you know what, T. Frank, I'm sure our listeners are anxious to do an ask T. Frank in person. How about that? <laughs> now that's yeah. if you could recognize him. It is now the clean shaven T. Frank. So for those of you who've been used to watching him and see him as the mountain man. But anyway, for this event, very easy to get tickets. Go to thetailgateclub.com and you'll see the tickets there. You can buy your tickets. We advise you get them ahead of time. And we hope to see all our listeners there. And by the way, the event will be at the Revel XP lot. That's the area with the tents next to the soccer field fantastic place they provide tables chairs tent even a valet service to carry all your stuff from your car to your tent yeah how about that it's going big time and if if you want to uh get your own tailgate there go to revelxp.com my buddy sam will take care of you he does a great job all right t frank let's get to the football talk we had another commit this week Omari Gaines, defensive back, and another New Jersey guy. What can Mm -hmm. you tell us about him? He is big, almost 6'3", 175 pounds. And the reason he's 175 pounds is um, I was looking back at some of the numbers. He he grew about 2 to 3 inches in the last year. So for all the guys that remember their growth spurt and how like one day you're one size and you're another the next, he went through that this year. So um, big frame, great length. He he fits. A, he checks a lot of the boxes for a Penn State cornerback and what they're looking for. Some questions, though. So 2025 athlete, um, not the fastest corner in the world, doesn't have great twitch or explosiveness on film. But like we just said, he grew a lot. So has his body caught up yet? Typically, when you see guys that are uh, smaller, that get big very quickly there can be a transitionary period. But once they do, you have the chance that they retain some of those small guy skills like, you know, quickness and, and ability to move. But then they're 
massive. You know, I think some of the, the biggest outliers in sports have that profile. Um, I don't know that that's what we have with gains, but there's the the option and the potential for that down the road. And the fact that we got to remember, as a class of 25 guy, he's just a sophomore in high school right now. This is a youngster. Yeah, I don't like doing film breakdowns on guys who are... Uh, I don't want to I don't want to be disrespectful like but they're kids, you know? Like these are these are young athletes that are still learning the basics of football. Some of them are very advanced. I remember Alex Birchmeyer on film, you could see he got it. Like he could understand football at that level. Some guys don't. Um and and you I don't want to penalize those guys when they're sophomores and I'm watching their film because there's so much to learn, there's so much positionally and then through the game of football to learn that um it's all to be expected. So really, you're looking at size, length, skills, things like that. Um, and, and and there's a lot of versatility with Amari Gaines. Uh, one of the interesting things that that I, I found watching his film is um, he wasn't even a full-time starter at his last school. So he's transferred since then. Uh, and he's a guy that has decent offers, but I think is a little bit under the radar given he didn't get a chance to play like a full year last year as a starter. So we could see his recruiting profile change over time now that he's bigger and he'll have a chance to show more of what he can do on a regular basis on film. And I assume when you get a commitment from a kid and it is a kid that young and you say class of 25 to me, call him a sophomore. You us lay people realize just how young that is when you say yeah. sophomore in high school. I mean, he has two more seasons left. To be 6'3 already, though, for a defensive back, this is Joey Porter-esque when you have that kind of length, that defensive back. Nobody has Joey Porter length. I mean, he is a condor and a pterodactyl and all of that stuff. He's a he's a human helicopter, but good good length. I'd say really good length for Amari Gaines. But yeah, in that size mold for sure. Uh, the and, and even then, Joey was not the fastest guy in the world early in his career, and he developed that speed later on. That's going to have to be the path for Amari Gaines. And that's pretty similar, I think, in terms of Joey Porter Jr. wasn't a, a, a five-star prospect. He eventually became a good four-star player, but I don't think he was a national top-of-the-list guy that you had to have. Um, but he became that. He became a, a first-round pick. And that is the potential of size and length. That's the potential that you're getting in gains with those two years to see how he develops and see what happens with speed and with his work in the weight room to get bigger and stronger. I think the one thing that concerns me the most, because this is not necessarily a strength thing, it can be just a, a physical manifestation of what you are as a football player, is um, he doesn't have the greatest feet right now. So his hips and his feet don't look like corner hips and feet. And, you know, again, he's really young. Those things can develop and they can get back to they can get to a level of um, good. But I wouldn't say that he's going to be a complete athlete in his career. I, I just think that, like there are some earmarkers that he's going to be a good corner. He might have very specific skills um, and he can be an all around player as a as a football mind in, in that way. But there are some things on his film that I'm definitely going to keep track of over the next two years to see how they develop and see if I'm wrong. Like if he can develop more foot speed and quickness and short area agility, which is huge for a guy that's six two six six two and a half. So you have to be careful of that anyway when you're a big corner. 
Um, and if you're not already advanced for your size and your age, that's something I'm going to be monitoring to see how he can develop in that area. I think it's also worth noting again, this is a New Jersey guy and not too distant past. Uh, they added Khalil Ahmad from Syracuse, who's a New Jersey guy to help them with the recruiting in the state of New Jersey. I don't believe in coincidences, T. Frank. There may be a cause and effect there. I wanted yep. to ask you I mean, about... both of their guys in 2025, both of them are New Jersey players. So, yeah, I, I think that you can see the fruits of that are happening already. So you're you're 100% right on that. And uh, a, a wonderful strategic move by uh, uh, James Franklin in bringing in a Jersey guy for that. The other commit I wanted you to I wanted to get your take on was earlier this week, Luke Reynolds, uh, 6'4", 220, tight end from mm-hmm. Connecticut, but he's also did most of his time at quarterback and is making <laughs> the shift to tight end. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's in the um, Tyler Warren category of just a huge athlete, and and, and for a short time, uh, you you had. Uh, the good counsel kid that was in Penn state's class last year as well of a quarterback that played and then, uh, moved different positions, maybe defense vend just these big athletes. There's, there's the randomizing factor of where they play, but typically they end up at tight end or defense vend because they're just too big and athletic to not put at one of those two positions. So Luke Reynolds, not only did he, he split time at quarterback, uh, at Cheshire Academy. So he wasn't even a full-time quarterback. He split time between tight end and quarterback and split some reps at uh, tight end. So like even when he was playing tight end, there was like a second or third tight end that was working in with him. Uh, the And that is based off of one game of film. So there, there's really not a whole lot of Luke Reynolds film out there. Uh, but just based on what you see on his highlight film, a couple things stand out to me. I think he's got great body control. And that's really important for a tight end. He's got a good frame. He's everything you want from that player. He's probably closer to the Tyler Warren body type than he is a full six, six in line tight end, but he could play that position for Penn state. So another versatile player that can line up a couple different places. He's got great speed. And after the catch, I think he can bring you something in that game as well, because he's going to get bigger and stronger. He's got great athleticism. And if you can put it all together and he maintains all of that as he develops physically and gets bigger, you've got a guy that can be a matchup problem. And uh, there's a lot the positional nuance is not there as a guy who played quarterback and, and played quarterback. Okay. Played tight end. Okay. But still just made plays because he was so physically dominant. That's typically the mold of a new England tight end coming to Penn state, which there is a growing list of those guys that have been pretty darn successful for the Nittany Lions. Yes, it's, uh, we could argue it's becoming tight end you. Also, I'm one of those, and our listeners are probably tired of hearing me say this, but I like these guys who start as quarterbacks before moving to another position because at the high school level, oftentimes that's where you put your best athlete and there's yeah. certain skill set that they have as quarterback that will then translate to the to another position at the next level t frank yeah so it's funny because I, I i agree with you typically and i agree with the idea that playing quarterback forces you to see the more of the field than your position but having watched 
Luke play. I don't know that he, one of the reasons he's moving from quarterback is I don't know. He was necessarily the most aware quarterback I've seen. There's a lot of staring and not reading on film. So, but it, you know, all jokes aside, it is, it is a great skill to have to at least have the basic understanding of, okay, I know different coverages. I know what I'm looking for. Um, and then as you transition to the position you're going to play, you retain some of that knowledge, but escaping the pocket, uh, breaking tackles in the open field, all of that as a quarterback, you are basically a running back. So if you retain those skills or you have a good baseline of how to run with the ball in your hands and not just be a route runner, he's got a good fundamental, you know, he's got a good foundation for that. The route running. So unlike guys like Pat Fryermuth or Andrew Rappelier, there's a lot of progress that he needs to make. The good news is he's going to be playing tight end this upcoming season. So um, we found that out of Blue White Illustrated, some of the things that are going on there with his team. He'll be able to actually play his position and develop this senior season. Very good, T. Frank. That is it for quarter number one. Quarter two, we're going to get back to our positional review. We're going to talk about a good one. We're going to talk running backs. Stay tuned. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We Are NIL Collective helps Penn State compete in the new world of collegiate athletics, and you can help us. Hi, this is Michael Krenzman, founding member of We Are NIL, and I'm inviting you to join the football parents and the folks from Keystone Sportsnet at a tailgate party for the blue-white game. Enjoy great food from 409 Tailgate Club and beer from Neutral Brewery, all from the exclusive Revel XP lot near the stadium. This is your chance to also talk football with the guys from Keystone Sports and meet some players' families. So get your tickets at thetailgateclub.com. Thanks very much. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. He's T. Frank Carr. I'm Jim Gawante. We're going to get back to our positional reviews with T. Frank. And since we're going to be talking running backs, which should probably be a very short segment. It gives me an opportunity to do a promo, T. Frank. Right? Perfect. <laughs> we started talking about our event uh, for the Blue-White game. Again, it's a tailgate party. Fantastic food you're going to have, beer, wine, Bloody Mary bar, all the great stuff. Go to thetailgateclub.com to get your ticket to the event. We're holding it at the Revel XP lot, which is a fantastic place to tailgate if you've not been there. Please, please, please go to thetailgateclub.com for your ticket, and we look forward to seeing you there. All right, T. Frank, positional reviews. 
running backs, I'm going to go out there and say they're pretty good. Yeah, um, they're they're pretty they're they're pretty damn good. If I may uh, add an expletive in there for you, there's not a whole lot to say that I don't think Penn State fans aren't keenly aware of. Nick Singleton can have a breakout season. He can be an elite running back in college football, push for an All-American status behind an offensive line that we think is pretty good. And uh, Catron Allen is everything you want in a running back, and he proved that last year. He just needs to physically develop and mature so his his body matches his game. And with another year in the system and seeing him in spring football and seeing how swole he is, like his biceps look like they doubled since the last time I saw him on the football field. You got to feel pretty good about this this running back duo for Penn State. Well, it's interesting. Let's talk about Catron Allen first. Was it not a year ago he lost some weight and now yep. has put it back on? Describe what that process was all about, T. Franks. So going back to his high school time, I've noticed this with with IMG Academy athletes that they want them to be big. They want them all to be the size they're so supposed to be at the end. And some of those guys can't really manage that. So I think even Drew Shelton went down to IMG. He got too big. He came back and had to lose weight in high school. Catron Allen went down. He stayed at IMG and he was 220. And you could see like he wasn't fast. He was everything he wanted, but he wasn't fast. And he also wasn't really a Penn State athlete, which is he was carrying bad body weight for his size to get to 220 to be a quote power back because he didn't have the elite speed. So he took uh, the early enrollee time to strip down the bad weight, get down to about 200 pounds based on where he was on the Penn State roster during most of the season, and then build back from there. That's why his nickname was Fat Man coming into college. But uh, he shed that pretty quickly. And now this offseason, he's been building that muscle and that strength back the right way under Penn State's program so that he is lean and 215 pounds. He's, I think, 217 right now. So he's he's got great size. 5'11", 217 is perfect for a running back. And I'm excited to see in the, in the spring game what that's done to his build, like his, his output and his production. Um, does he break more tackles more physically? He was always elusive and he would put his head down, but he didn't always, you know, get two or three yards. He would, he didn't have the same raw uh, strength as Singleton did through contact. Um, if you combined his wiggle and his ability to understand leverage and body, con- you know, body control and feeling the different forces as he's being hit and being able to roll forward, he can be a very dangerous running back as a receiver as a running back, as a pass protector, which I think is the biggest area he'll take a step forward in, is he knew what to do, but sometimes he just got overpowered and blown up by physically mature running uh, linebackers running at him at full speed. So now he has the tools to do everything he knows how to do. And I, I think that he is a player that um, is an underrated part of a, a highly rated group. Like I think fans know how good he is at this point, but because Singleton is there, there's always the and Catron Allen. Catron Allen is going to be great on his own as well. Let's shift over to Singleton. You mentioned it about being a breakout year for him. This is after he had all those long runs, rushed for over a thousand yards, and you're talking about him breaking out this year. What are the things he needs to do to get better and have what you're calling the breakout season, T. Frank? 
that these two complement each other so well because they can pick the other one up where they have deficiencies. Catron was a guy that was going to do great in certain games. And, you know, I think it was the Indiana game on the road where he had like a 78 yard catch and run because he was able to make people miss and he was able to get explosive plays. But that wasn't who he was. He was a guy that was going to take a negative two yard run and get six or a seven yard run and get 17. Singleton took a 10 yard run and took it 80, but his vision. And I, I think most importantly, his pad level was uh, something he needed to work on. And you could see that develop. I remember uh, we came on here after the Maryland game and I said, if Nick Singleton runs like that behind his pads with that body lean, he's already everything he needs to be. My contention was because he's a bit of an upright runner. He needed to have more power in his lower half. He needed to get even stronger and bigger so that he could just run through arm tackles like they weren't there, like just be so overpowered that his explosiveness runs through everything. Now he's 228, and I think he'll probably refine that over the next couple of months, but he's going to be 225, you know, 220, somewhere in there by the start of the Penn State football season. I said last year he looked skinny. And this is what I'm this is why, because he could add another eight, nine pounds of muscle on his frame. Um, and without getting too ridiculous, he could play at 230 and I wouldn't be surprised. So six foot, 230 ish pounds uh, with the speed that he has, his vision and his, uh, I think, pow- play through contact because of his pad level. If those improve, I, I hate to use the word unstoppable because that just it, it's a little bit. Um, hyperbolic, but we're getting pretty close. Um, and then all the passing game stuff is obvious that he needed to get better with his hands. He needed to get better in, in route running and all of those things to be a complete running back like his teammate, Katron. As Penn State fans, you've got to be excited, thrilled. What a one-two punch they have there. The question becomes that running back, okay, third team. I know that's a great problem to have if your biggest concern is who's your third team running back. But running backs are vulnerable. They take the most hits, T. Frank. They're the ones who could, you know, turn turn an ankle and miss three games. So it's a good position to go three deep. Question is, can Penn State do that? We'll talk about the possibility of a transfer in a second. Let's talk about the freshmen coming in, London Montgomery and Cameron Wallace. Now, The downside is neither one of them are on campus already for spring, and London Montgomery is coming off a a bad knee injury. Could either one of those guys fill in if needed? Possibly. I will leave the door open for Cameron Wallace to be able to do that, but it's going to be tough. Um, You know, I, I spoke to London a couple months ago on my show, and he didn't even want to set a timeline for when he would be back. He didn't want to set a timeline and then miss it and then have to deal with the mental fallout of feeling like he's behind. So I think he's a really smart, mature player that's trying to do this the right way coming back from his knee injury. I wouldn't want him in particular to have to do it right away because of the injury and and the physical side of it, too. So it's not just I, I harp on this all the time. If you are rehabbing, you are not getting bigger. You are not getting stronger. Parts of you can like you can still bench if you've got any injury. You can still do some lifting. But when it comes to I I just the most effective 
lift that you can do is a squat, in my opinion, you know, when in terms of gaining size and strength and especially in the most important part of the body, which is the lower body squat deadlift. You can't do any of those things with a knee injury. Uh, even if you have a shoulder injury, you can't do those things. It's it's very hard to keep up and keep progress if you're injured. Um, so London is a talented running back, great contact balance, great speed, uh, good size. You know, obviously that's the biggest question is size. But I would give him a hard red shirt this year and, and not think twice about it and have him be ready to be in contention for that position next year. Uh, Cameron Wallace. The problem is he's kind of the same player uh, as Montgomery, 5'10", 170. He's not a big football player. So if you're looking for a guy to fill in, he's he's smart. He played the position very well. He played every position he played very well. And he played corner, linebacker, safety, running back, and wildcat quarterback. So he did a lot for uh, Montgomery County. Small school in Georgia, not the, uh, not the top of Georgia in terms of the ability uh, to play against top talent. But he's a good football player. But a 5'10", 170 is a true freshman, not in the early enrollee process. Is he able to fill in? I think that that is your that's a big ask, even for a position like running back where you typically can integrate more quickly um, because it's I don't want to say it's a simple position, but it is much more based on your athleticism and your instincts. It brings up the question T Frank of do you bring in a transfer running back? And more importantly, there's the challenge in bringing in a transfer running back is that you have two guys that are going to be ahead of you, and they're not only going to be ahead of you this year, they're going to be ahead of you next year because yeah. those uh, two players are uh, expected to be around for those three years. One name that popped up is this Trey Potts from Minnesota. We saw him a bit in the Penn State-Minnesota game this year, and I think the connecting the dots is he's local. He's from Williamsport. What mm-hmm. have you heard about him? And is there a chance that Penn State will pursue and can get a transfer running back? So we talked about this Monday on the BWI live show that he was here this weekend. Uh, Ryan Snyder reported that. So that's one thing is he's on campus and he's somewhat interested in in coming here. So that's a, a first step. Seeing some of his play, is he is he demonstrably better than Tank Smith? I, I think a, a little bit better. I think he's he's closer to being a scholarship player, but he's definitely not um you're not relying on him for a three game stretch like you described and you're not getting the same efficiency out of the offense. And that's really the problem is you have to value the roster spot for other positions like defensive tackle is also a thing. Just random players like suddenly there's a chop Robinson in the portal or do you take a third running back and try to convince that guy it's a, for the love of the game position. Like, yeah, you're not going to be the number one or the number two. We're going to find a role for you. But really what you're here for is because you love football and you want to play and uh, you want to be on the team. And is that a scholarship position? It's just a hard needle of thread. I can't tell you that they're going to land that guy and I can't tell you they're not. It's going to take a special player to come in and make that work. It's a tough position to be in because you're so loaded with your first two running backs 
who would want to come in. And I guess it comes down to, would you have more confidence in the guy you bring in than you do the two freshmen and the walk-on guys? That's it for quarter number two. Stick around. Quarter number three, we got your questions. We're asking T. Frank. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We Are NIL Collective helps Penn State compete in the new world of collegiate athletics, and you can help us. Hi, this is Michael Krenzman, founding member of We Are NIL, and I'm inviting you to join the football parents and the folks from Keystone Sportsnet at a tailgate party for the blue-white game. Enjoy great food from 409 Tailgate Club and beer from Neutral Brewery, all from the exclusive Revel XP lot near the stadium. This is your chance to also talk football with the guys from Keystone Sports and meet some players' families. So get your tickets at thetailgateclub.com. Thanks very much. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three, which means we are going to ask T. Frank. This is where we take your questions from our app. All you got to do to get the app is go to your app store, Look for Keystone Sports. You'll see the app. Download it. You'll see the Ask T. Frank button. At the end of the segment, T. Frank will pick out the best question. And whoever asks that question, they will win the prize from our buddies at 409tailgateclub.com. You get some of their great coffee barbecue rubs that they recently came out with. Our winner last week was Steve from Painted Post, New York. Steve, I'm going to ask you to get back to me again. I tried to email you. It came back with an error. I think you mistyped with your email address so you could reach me. Either send in a question again or send me at info at ksnforts.net. All right, T. Frank, you ready for questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's start with this. This is uh, one of our buddies. It's Frank from Watermister who has the great email address, Dirty Frank. So we always love to hear from him. He says, I feel like everyone in the world wants a straight answer to this question. What dirt does Clifford family have on Franklin and Yursich? How could they have possibly picked an undraftable guy who can't throw consistently over a top 10 draft pick and a five-star quarterback? It makes no difference if a guy has experience and can get you into the right calls pre-snap if he can't actually perform better. It's ridiculous, T. Frank. That is according to Dirty Frank. What does Did, T. Frank have to say? First off, I want to know, do, do you feel better after that? What I imagine listening to that is like, you know, cobras that spit venom. They just... 
That's all I saw was just the bile and frustration and anger just spewing out of that email. We have gone in depth on this conversation several times. Drew Aller was not ready to play football last year. So if that's who you mean by a five-star quarterback, then your assessment of the situation is based on general facts and not the not the details of what we talk about here on the show. It's what I do. That's what I try to do here on the show is give you the, the true insight into what's going on. Will Levis did not have a good year this past year. Will Levis is being drafted because he is 6'3 and throws it really hard. But there's still question of whether or not he's a good quarterback. Half the NFL is split on this. This is all about tangibles, not intangibles. Sean Clifford and uh, Will Levis over the last two seasons went in a clean pocket were virtually the same player. Just that Will Levis throws a better deep ball. Uh, he also throws more interceptions. He is uh, more volatile as a player. Um, and I'm not saying he's bad because also Sean Clifford isn't good. But the reason Will Levis is being drafted is because in 2021, he had a very good year with an NFL system around him and NFL players. But when those guys left, the offensive coordinator and the skill players, he was not a guy that could elevate the whole offense around him. He was also injured, which is a part of the conversation. But um, if you look at the body of work, Will Levis as a starter and Sean Clifford as a starter, um, you know, there's there's one season where one of them had a, you know, I would say an elite performance. Sean Clifford also won 11 games last year. So if we're doing QB wins with a Z, Sean Clifford, I think, was better last year than Levis in terms of the bowl game he went to and the overall record. So it's this is about emotion. This is not about facts. I'll throw in two comments, T. Frank. I think also Will Levis has the NFL body and the NFL arm. And yeah. that's it doesn't that doesn't necessarily make him a better quarterback, but he has the potential to be a better NFL quarterback because he just has some physical tools that Sean Clifford doesn't. My other comment for Dirty Frank and for all the other Clifford haters is it's time to give it up. He's done. Yeah. He is not coming back next year for his 27th year. He's he's moving on. I think it's time we all moved on also. All right, let's go to Fran in Bryn Mawr. He says, hey, T. Frank, I really like the creativity that Mike Yursich showed with his different formations and personnel use. I wanted to get your take on Yursich and what changes you think we might see now that there's a different quarterback, Drew Aller, there instead of Sean Clifford. This is a very observant question um, or they're pandering to me because this is something I have said a bunch of times and I agree with hundred percent. I really think that he's a creative play caller and it's not just the formations. It's also the play sequencing, which is really a part of being creative and being an adept play caller is using one play to set up another and having a, a line of thought in terms of it's almost like uh, it's almost like music where one note leads to the other to make a song. And that is a lot of what I see in his play calling where he'll run one action to, to set up a bass play. And then he'll augment that with a, you know, a wrinkle uh, two plays later. So it, it, it gives you a setup and a knockdown. So I think from a, from a creativity standpoint, the formations, the usage of player personnel and the play call sequencing are all there. Those are all things that make a great core that make a, a great coordinator. Uh, the quarterback coach part is the part that I'm curious about, and that's going to be the the Drew Aller question. You've got way more tools to work with 
in Drew Aller from a physical standpoint. So did he elevate Sean Clifford to where he was to win those 11 games we saw last year? And how quickly can he elevate Drew Aller to be a game changer? So downfield throwing is really where I think Mike Yersich wants to go. Like, I know that this two tight end system has developed over the last couple of years, and it's been very effective. The most effective way, and James Franklin has talked about this, there's no secret here. They want a dominant wide receiver one. They want a guy that can get open and break the game apart for you. And they need to find that guy, but you also need the trigger man to find that guy and not lock onto him all the time and distribute the ball to where it's supposed to go and be the real difference maker in the offense. So do they have the pieces to have a more downfield attack? Because when they got in trouble last year, it was because Mike Yersich was trying to attack weaknesses downfield and the offense couldn't execute it. Sometimes it was the receivers that couldn't get open. And sometimes it was the quarterback not pulling the trigger, not being aware enough of the situation to either throw the ball or check it down. Like there's always a check down. So are you getting to the right read? Those are going to be the factors that determine the, I think the ceiling of this offense. So that's where I would say, if we do see something different, it's because Dante Cephas, Malik McLean, Harrison Wallace, Keandre Lambert Smith, and um, maybe Caden Saunders. Like you got five guys that have good speed this year that need to be in the mix to make those big plays down the field. And I'm just going to add on here too. I think he's also playing up to me. I enjoyed what um, Mike Yursich did with that T formation and diamond formation with two or three tight ends, not because it's, that's the style of play that I want so much as I saw Yursich adapting to the talent that he had, which I yep. thought was, it is indicative of a very creative and a very good offensive coordinator and if you want, please go back and look. We did a couple segments on that T formation with uh, Shane from For the Bloggy. Very educational, and it really shows you what the mind of Mike Yursich and uh, how he did things. Okay, let's go to Harry in Carbondale who says, Hey, T. Frank, I know you've mentioned in the past that you were a big Vandenberg fan. He has a good memory. I remember that discussion with you, T. Frank. Anyway, he mm -hmm. continues. Who are your current under-the-radar guys that you like, or as Jim calls them, your man crushes? Yeah. <laughs> so it's tough. Um, I, I make this joke all the time. By this point in the season, I've talked about everybody six or seven times. So a couple obvious guys. Vega Ioane would be one that I think I'm very excited to see play. But I don't think he's under the radar because everyone's excited to see him play. It's just one of those guys well, that we haven't seen yet. Before you go on, I'm going to give you credit for that because you were talking about him before everybody else was, and he's not considered a starter yet. So I'm going to allow you that one, T. Frank, because you hit awesome. on, hit on him early. So you get credit for that one. Yeah, Chris, Christian Driver is another guy that I think has been underrated in terms of his speed where that was the biggest question. I think that's why Penn State wanted him to play safety to start. He wanted to play receiver, and I've seen him run enough to know that I, I think he's fast enough to be a good wide receiver, but everything else has to come into play, right? So he's physical for his size. He's got good size. I think he could be a good X, but the question is, you know, all the details that his dad mastered that he needs to master on the way to being a good receiver. But I'm betting on all of that working out because of, all the factors supporting it. So I would say if I'm my super dark horse would be Christian driver. And then, um, Zaki Wheatley is another guy that I really like another guy I've been, I've been high on for a while, but again, 
played last year, going to be a quasi starter again. We'll see if he has the breakout that I'm expecting. Okay, let's go to our good friend Jimmy in Forest City, who says, T. Frank, as an outsider looking in, I see three tiers of wide receivers. One is a starter, Keandre Lambert-Smith. Second, probable starters, Trey Wallace and Dante Cephas. Third tier is everybody else. And there are a lot of names there. What do you see as the most probable fourth wide receiver? Fourth wide receiver. All right. So that depends on what you mean by fourth wide receiver. I think Liam Clifford could be the fourth wide receiver being the one a in the slot or the two, the one B in the slot behind if it's Caden Saunders, however that breaks out. So the slot is almost like a different position entirely, but it is also a starting position. So that's going to be one of the, one of the places you go for a wide receiver four, and then Malik McLean. I, I think they brought him in for a reason. So is he a wide receiver four? You can have, I think those three guys, Caden Saunders, Liam Clifford, and and um, Malik McLean. Those would be the three guys vying for kind of a fourth position behind uh, Trey Wallace, Dante Cephas, and Keandre Lambert-Smith. So you got six guys there that can play and can play for a couple of them, a couple different positions. Because McLean can also play on the inside. I think if you check out, I put up some highlight videos on Monday of him running routes at Pro Day. He's a good route runner for being 6'4". Uh, but it's just about putting it all together. So I think he has the versatility to be that that fourth guy if it all comes together. And that's what we'll find out this spring. I think the way Jimmy phrases it, it's as if he's looking for just that fourth guy when the different wide receiver positions, as you mentioned, the slot, there's going to be multiple guys. And it may be what you're looking for that it's not number four, but it's four, five, and six or four, a four B four C because of those different skill sets. Well, let's James Franklin talked about this. He says that really what's happened so far is that Keandre Lambert Smith and Trey Wallace have been very good so far this spring. Um, The last time we were out of camp, Trey Wallace wasn't going through drills. So that's one thing I'm looking for this week is, is he back practicing fully and not to say that he wasn't after we left, but that's just what we saw. So is that progressing? Those two guys are the standout. And then James Franklin said the number three is up for grabs. Who's going to be that number three receiver? So that third receiver could be those two guys. When I look at them right now, those are outside receivers until Dante Cephas gets here. So if we have the conversation after Cephas, are they looking for four? And that's going to be the group we just talked about. Very good, T. Frank. That's it for quarter number three. Stick around. Quarter number four, we're going to name our winner. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We Are NIL Collective helps Penn State compete in the new world of collegiate athletics, and you can help us. Hi, this is Michael Krenzman, founding member of We Are NIL, and I'm inviting you to join the football parents and the folks from Keystone Sportsnet at a tailgate party for the blue-white game. Enjoy great food from 409 Tailgate Club and beer from Neutral Brewery, all from the exclusive Revel XP lot near the stadium. This is your chance to also talk football with the guys from Keystone Sports and meet some players' families. So get your tickets at thetailgateclub.com. Thanks very much. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. He's T. Frank. I'm Jim. We are going to get back to our positional review. But before we do that, T. Frank, we need a winner from our Ask T. Frank segment. Who's your winner? And we got to go. It's an obvious winner, a slam dunk winner in Fran, asking about Mike Yersich and differences in the offense. This is, to me, it's not a... It starts with the players because those are the guys that, are, that you're... Those are the ingredients for the chef. But the chef also has recipes he likes to make. And I think that we sometimes forget about that side of things, the coaching side of things, about how... Um, your what your object is what's the objective of what you're trying to accomplish and fran got to that with uh the fran's question uh, whether it was frandering to the audience or if that was a genuine question i don't know but it was the i really liked that one i'm sure it was a legitimate question and i thought we might be dropping ourselves into an episode of chopped mike yursich these are your ingredients what are you going to do with them yeah, it's kind of what it is. You know, you you aren't in a kitchen that has unlimited stocked resources. You know, that's that's where you find yourself in, in college football. If you're not Alabama or Georgia is you don't get to have exactly what you want. You don't maybe you don't even have the tools you want. You don't have your uh, diamond crusted zester or your food processor that can take peanuts into peanut butter with four revolutions i don't know i'm going way 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 off the rails so i'll just stop <laughs> we're gonna start with three tight ends that are very capable what are you gonna do mike yersich <laughs> all right <laughs> and it's got to be a back. balanced offense with a lot of different flavors it can't just be one note of three tight ends you've got to mix other flavors in there and yeah exactly and you know what? Tight ends are the primary ingredient, so you better highlight them, okay, T. Yes. Frank? Very good. All right. I've watched too much of the Food Channel. Let's move on. Uh, for our positional review, we're going to use Jimmy's question from quarter number three as the prelude to our conversation about wide receivers. This one is the fascinating conversation to me, T. Frank. Just in general, you want to mm -hmm. talk about, let's go back to the cooking analogy. You've got so many different ingredients here, but I'm not sure what your primary ingredients are. So just quick overview of this uh, of this position group. We'll start with Keandre Lambert-Smith because he's the guy that they're starting with right now. Coming back as the lead receiver, consistency, uh, consistency, consistency, and consistency are the main things for him. He's got to be the leader of the room through production, through everyday effort, and through and through his personal, you know, leading of the group. You know, as a vocal leader, that part too matters. 
But if you look back at what happened to this offseason, they go out and they get McLean and Dante Cephas. Cephas is definitely the guy that has to come in and produce right away based on his scholarship limits um, and how many years he has left. So he's not here yet. And that's the biggest wrinkle to me is how that works after spring ball, because they're they're working with the guys they're working with right now. Um, and that is going to dictate a lot of what happens in the fall. But you do have this wild card of possibly your number one wide receiver. We talked about this before where Parker Washington was the team's number one receiver last year, but he played from the slot. It's harder to be a number one from the slot because just naturally a lot of plays are designed to go to the outside, to go to the X receiver. That's why that guy is typically the number one receiver who last year was Mitchell Tinsley. So if whoever, if Keandre Lambert Smith ends up in the slot, then he, you know, you're in the same situation where maybe volume goes one way, but special targets and play designs go the other way. Um, so how does all of that work out? I don't know yet because all the ingredients aren't here. What I do know is we have seen so far the receivers. Marcus Higgins was working with the outside receivers, the big guys on contested catches last week. He's working on plays through traffic, catching the ball in tough situations. Lambert Smith was with the outside receivers, not with the slot receivers. So for this spring, he's still an X or a Z at the moment. Does he ascend to be the guy and force the staff to change the plan? If the plan is to have Cephas battle for one of those spots, because Cephas also has positional versatility to play different roles within the offense. And this is why it's such an unknown right now is all the pieces aren't here and they're still trying to figure out, all of that stuff, I think. There's some guys that are firmly in positions. We talked in the last segment about Caden Saunders and Liam Clifford, I think, are firmly slot receivers. But what happens then if you move another guy into the inside? How does that depth chart work out? Does one of these other guys perform so well that they have to do that? It's going to be a lot of uh, jockeying for position right now to then the final push is after they get the full room together. I was surprised. T. Frank, because it feels like there are so many different guys who are capable of getting onto the field, but very few of them have shown it yet. I was surprised because of that. I was surprised by James Franklin's statement. We've got Keandre Lambert Smith and Trey Wallace as a one and two. We need a number three. Were you mm -hmm. surprised also that statement about Lambert Smith and Trey Wallace? Not necessarily. Because Trey Wallace is good, and he showed flashes last year of being good, of being a big-time, big playmaker. Everything we talked about with the receivers and the tiers and, you know, Mike Yursich and what he wants to do and pushing the ball down the field vertically, this plays into that. So Trey Wallace is a vertical threat, and last year he played the that position very well of being a kind of a deep threat specialist. So if he's improved his route running, I think that's a huge thing. Um, where does he go uh, afterwards? So what are the other players that are going to be at that position with him? Is it going to be him full time? Is it going to be a rep split there with somebody else? Um, and then Keandre Lambert Smith, if you've got those two guys on the outside, it then becomes a battle in the slot. And that would be, you know, not just not. Uh, so it's two things here. It's who plays what position. And I think that is important, even though there's a lot of this guy plays here and here, and it's not so siloed that one guy is a hundred percent, the X or the Z, but it's also um, the depth chart too. So there's, there's kind of positional versatility and rep split. So the two guys that have stood out so far, 
Keandre Lambert Smith and, and, and Harrison Wallace with Lambert Smith, having some versatility in his game that leaves you the option to play other guys, but who is that third player and what role can they fill? Cause you can also have too much of one thing and overload a position. It's my expectation. And I think the expectation, of a lot of people that Dante Cephas who hasn't gotten stepped foot on campus yet will be at least the third guy, one of the top three, which leads to, okay, then what? Let's start with the transfer from Florida State, McLean, who seems to mm-hmm. have all the physical tools. What are your expectations for him, Pete Frank? Too high, mostly, <laughs> because he can do it all. <laughs> I am excited. I'm genuinely, he's a guy I'm excited about to see what he can do. Um, and the, the problem is, I have so little information. Like, I, we saw him at Pro Day. He looked like he ran really good routes at Pro Day. For being 6'4 and being able to cut and and make hard transitions as well as he does, it might not be the fastest guy in the world doing it, but when you're that big and you're that fluid, you do present a unique skill set. Um, is he fast enough to run deep routes and, and really create dynamic separation? I'm always too optimistic when I see a guy that can, you know, has three quarters of the ingredients that I just kind of fill in the gaps in my mind. But I don't know. That's uh, another guy I want to see. I want to play the looks like game with him during the spring game of how does he run routes? How does he get open? How does he play against press? There's so little film on him from Florida State that it's hard to tell. And we don't get to see all of it in practice. We get to see individual drills. So a lot of the things that I need to find out, we're not going to find out until the spring. And then for sure, late, late, once it's already been decided at the end of camp going into the season. After that group, we have the next set, which I I split up a little bit. I call the young veterans, the guys who've gotten on the field, Liam Clifford, Omari Evans, then the rest of the guys, Caden Saunders, who we all thought very highly of coming out of high school a year ago. So there's Saunders, Driver, Ivy, Johnson, Taylor. Of this whole group, what do you see? Do you see someone raising up the level of their game and becoming a factor this year, T. Frank? That's tough because this is another group that there's very little information about. I was probably not as high on Tyler Johnson and Anthony Ivy as some people because it's just you got to have so many different skills to be a great receiver and to stand out. And I don't think Penn State staff is particularly particularly excited about the development that's happened so far. Um, with the group as a whole, like we may have talked about Keandre Lambert Smith and, uh, Trey Wallace, but I think they're reasonably happy and they're not over the moon about everybody. So if these guys aren't pushing and there isn't, you know, depth separating itself because of excellence and it's more about, okay, so these are the guys that are consistent enough that we feel good about. Then to me, uh, that, that doesn't bode well for this second tier of guys that is supposed to be pushing and taking that next step. Caden Saunders is the guy. You know, as the top recruit and the player that has the most complete game, even if he isn't the biggest guy in the world, that had obvious route running skills, speed, separation, dynamic ability to be a huge problem in the slot. Um, So he's got to make that separation from the group. And then if he doesn't, some of these guys that have really good skills, like Tyler Johnson is a height, weight, speed guy with exceptional athletic ability from a leaping standpoint, from a body control catch standpoint from size and speed. He's almost 200 pounds now, I think. So he's got all of the physical tools, kind of like a Trey Wallace, but he was very, very, very raw coming out of high school. 
So that's a huge curve to have to make. And if you look at, again, Trey Wall, same way, it's his third year now. So this is this would be the transition time where Tyler Johnson have to make some of those things. And I haven't heard any of that stuff yet. So I, I wouldn't be overly optimistic that one of these sophomore second year guys is going to have an, an extreme breakout. And I found it interesting. You mentioned Caden Saunders. Some of the talk was that a year ago, he may not have been quite ready for the collegiate game and that he conceded that. I, yeah. I find it interesting when a player seems to have that self-awareness. I wasn't ready then, but I've now made those steps. Yeah, we talked about this a couple weeks ago with him specifically. He talked about the emotional side of it and being homesick and, and not being ready for college. And then Chuck Losey talked about the fact that he was too big. So one of the parts of the scouting report about Caden that he knew and he tried to work on on his own before getting to Penn State was he wasn't overly physical. He didn't break a lot of tackles and he was kind of undersized. So he tried to put on weight before he got to Penn State and it was the wrong kind of weight that he had to then shed and rebuild like we talked about with Catron Allen. So as a receiver, that's paramount that you're the most athletic you can be for your size. He's done all of that work. So this would be the time for him to make that step and make that transition now that he's a year in and he's fully transitioned into being a, a college football player and a college football a college student as well. Very good T Frank, but that's it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone kickoff show. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We Are NIL Collective helps Penn State compete in the new world of collegiate athletics, and you can help us. Hi, this is Michael Krenzman, founding member of We Are NIL, and I'm inviting you to join the football parents and the folks from Keystone Sportsnet at a tailgate party for the blue-white game. Enjoy great food from 409 Tailgate Club and beer from Neutral Brewery, all from the exclusive Revel XP lot near the stadium. This is your chance to also talk football with the guys from Keystone Sports and meet some players' families. So get your tickets at thetailgateclub.com. Thanks very much. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are.